Welcome to the podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse Tabernacle. You can find out more about our church at lighthouseofmaslin.com or join us for worship Sundays at 11. We pray this message will be a blessing to you. chapter 28 and verse 11 for with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to this people to whom he said this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing Yet they would not hear. You know, being filled with the Holy Ghost is more than just a salvation experience. It's not just a one and done and go about your day. But the Spirit of God is to be in you a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. It is the refreshing. It is the rest for your weary soul. It is the place to find joy and peace and strength. Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. And he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat. I guess that's not favor of filet mignon more than T-bone. I've never been a fan of gristle, but it's a biblical command. (laughs) Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow. So in the midst of building the wall and building the kingdom of God with enemies all around and threats surrounding them, that's where Nehemiah is riding. With the mocking voices of the world they live in, threats of peril, threats of death. In the midst of all of the trouble, he said, don't sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. Do you know that today the joy of the Lord is your strength? That's where your strength comes from. It comes from the Lord. Come on, lift your hands with me one more time. Jesus, I magnify you, Lord. There's no one like you. There's no one like you. There's no one like you. Give you glory and honor, Jesus, in Jesus' name. You may be seated. I want to talk to you this morning on the subject, the joy of the Lord. I've held different jobs in my life. Uh, A few I hated. I got hired at UPS loading trucks. I worked two days and called off for two weeks. And the guy finally said, just tell me you don't want to work here. <laughs> like, um, I don't want to work here. I did a temp job. I tell you what, that was rough. 
I went to one of those Minuteman places in desperation. And they're handy and serve their purpose, but that was a rough day. <laughs> I was a rented mule <laughs> that was not treated well. <laughs> you know how you treat a rented car? You park it wherever you want. <laughs> you haul whatever you want. I was rented for the day. <laughs> there was a few I hated, but for the most part, they were pretty good. I didn't hate going to work, but I was never the guy that showed up 30 minutes or an hour early. And it's not out of laziness. I've never been lazy. I've always been a workaholic, unfortunately. I get really like antsy. My wife's like, just go do something. I can't just sit around. It, was, it, it wasn't laziness. It was just the fact that it never gave me joy. I don't show up at the doctor's office early. I barely make it into the dentist on time. When we are on vacation, we are nowhere to be found when Disney World opens the gates. We'll roll in about 11. They're not bad things. Some are really good things. Some even cause happiness. But they never caused me joy. But since I was old enough to walk to church by myself, I've showed up here hours early. Even now, it doesn't matter if I'm the preacher or not. I wake up early and I walk through the doors because it is a joy to serve the Lord. I get excited when it comes to the things of God because it is a joy to be a part of the kingdom of God. Now, please understand, I'm not asking for them to be brought back in their original form. But we used to sing songs with a theme. Like, I've got the joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Please don't sing that, Vasa. That's not a request. Or we're a happy people. Yes, we are. Or in the children's ministry, we teach the kids to sing, If you're happy and you know it. You, some of the adults, maybe we should sing that one. Because if you are happy and you know it, your face should probably show it. I'm so happy for the Lord. I've got that peace down in my soul. But now, and I, it, it ebbs and flows, I understand it, but I still give Brother Vasa a hard time, though. Didn't their worship team do a great job? To appreciate them so much. But I still give him a hard time about that Wednesday night. They're singing and I'm just mindlessly singing along thinking about what I got to say. And I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, wait a minute. I don't want to be tried by fire. <laughs> See, I want to be tried by fire. <laughs> Scourge my soul. <laughs> Take the Brillo pad to me. <laughs> I thought, wait a second, I just thought, I started changing the words. I thought, well, I don't want to be tried by fire. <laughs> Hear me, Jesus, I don't want to be tried by fire. I am thankful for every trial that the Lord has brought me through. 
I am thankful for every time he calmed the storms in my life. I am so very thankful for every time he's made a way when there was no way. I'm thankful that in the dark of night, his spirit has come and it's ministered to me. But it seems to me that sometimes we can get to where all we talk about is how we're going to make it out and sing about how we're not going to give up. But I'll tell you something this morning. There's more to living for God than just surviving. There's more to a walk with God than just making it through. David didn't just say, the Lord is my shepherd. And I walked through valleys of the shadow of death. That was one place. But there were green pastures and there were still waters. There's more to the Lord than just carrying a cross. Nehemiah understood something. As they're working with a trial in one hand. A hammer in one hand and a sword or a spear in the other. They're fighting and they're building at the same time. He realizes, wait a second, we've got to pause here for a moment. And you need to understand something. As the children of God, it's not a time to be sorrowful. For the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. wrestling it <laughs> we love to say, talk about Paul and Silas in the prison and at the midnight hour they begin to sing and we talk about it oh yeah even in the midst of your storm there you just keep on praying and keep worshiping God but you've got to realize what they were singing they were singing the psalms of the Lord there was a thankfulness there was a joy there was a peace there was a strength emanating out of them it wasn't oh Jesus make a way so I'm glad morning not midnight, but some glad morning. No, they begin to worship God. A joy begin to bubble up out of them. You know why? Because Paul used to be the guy carrying the rocks. Paul used to be the guy carrying the chains. And now he's on the right side. And a joy begin to bubble up. Oh yeah, it might not be good right now, but I've got joy. I've got joy. I've got joy. James said to count it joy when you're persecuted. John and Peter wrote about rejoicing in bad situations. But there is more to that, to that than just a cathartic weeping before the Lord. Sometimes what we call worship is audible depression. And we're using it as a, I, I don't understand it, but I, I, I have seen it enough. You know, the ladies, if they're sad, they want to watch a sad movie. Cry it out and wash it down with ice cream. 
something cathartic about it. <laughs> Cry it out and you feel better. Guys are like, let's watch something violent and get our minds off of it. <laughs> what would John Wayne do in this situation? And sometimes what we call worship is really just audible sorrow. And I have gone to the Lord with tears. And I'm thankful that he says he keeps all of my tears in a bottle. I've got girls now. That's a lot of tears, Jesus. You know, with guys, it's probably like a small water bottle. My daughters have already cried buckets full. God's expanding the kingdom just to store them tears. I'm thankful that he's there in the time of sorrow. But there's a scripture, you have turned my sorrow. <laughs> you turned my mourning into dancing. You've turned my sorrow into joy. You need to understand today, there is a joy in serving God. There is joy in walking with him. And last time I checked, the good days still outweigh the bad days. Trust in God makes us not ashamed, the scripture says. But it's not our strength. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But it is not where strength comes from. Intercession moves things in the spirit realm and changes destinies. But even the power of intercession is not where our strength comes from. Fasting breaks the chains that bind hearts and souls. And it yields ourselves to the mind of God. Fasting moves spiritual mountains. But fasting is not where our strength comes from. So where do we find strength? If it's not in trust, if it's not in fear, if it's not in intercession or fasting, where is strength in? The joy of the Lord is our strength. It comes from the joy of walking with Jesus. In a world filled with hate and despair, the church needs to be filled to overflowing with love and joy. I, I want someone to walk out of here reminded that it's a joy to serve the Lord. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. It is a joy to walk with him every day. I just paid my taxes. We do ours in October. We, we just paid the fine. Keep the money <laughs> a little bit longer at least. I tell you what, I have no love for Uncle Sam when I'm writing that check. You know, is there a way to remove an uncle from a family? Is there anything worse than the IRS? In America, you're innocent until proven guilty. You know that's the law? You... It, you could be standing there with 
the murder weapon in your hands and blood covering you from head to toe and you're still innocent until a jury finds you guilty. And the newspaper better say alleged or they're going to get sued. But not with the IRS. With the IRS, you're guilty until you prove, beg, and plead that you're innocent. I don't know anybody that likes the IRS. I imagine if you work for them, you lie to people. Oh, I, I got it just like a, a small desk job somewhere. <laughs> but now, as much as we hate pay, paying taxes, imagine America has been taken over by a foreign nation who's taxing you. How bad would that be? They conquer you, and then you got to pay for the right to be conquered. And then it gets worse. There's a fellow American who's working on behalf of your conquerors to collect the taxes for them. The hatred you would feel for that traitor. Now, now it gets worse. The traitor who's working for the enemy is lying to you about how much you owe in taxes so that he can pocket the extra money. You know he's lying. He knows that you know he's lying. The government knows he's lying. Everyone knows he's cheating you, and yet there's nothing you can do about it other than pay that extortion fee. How badly would people hate a person like that? That is what the Bible calls publicans. They were Jews working for Rome, cheating their own Israelite people. They were rich. All of them were rich from the stolen money because Rome didn't care how much that you said the people owed in taxes as long as Rome got what they were demanding. So if you owed $100 to Rome and the tax collector said you owed $200 to Rome, you had no choice but to pay the $200 and he got to keep it, the $100, and just give Rome their 100 People would pay absorbent sums of money to get the job because they knew they were going to cheat it all back out a hundred times over. The people hated them. They hated them so much that when they listed bad people, they said publicans and sinners. Public, like if, if, if this is the scale of righteous, there's sinners, and then below the carpet, there's a publican. They were separated into their own category. That they were somehow worse than a normal sinner. With this in mind, we look at two tax collectors. As you can see, I'm short. Don't let the stage fool you, I'm small. I, I know you're I'm going to tell people identify as tall. See if that helps. I go to the Netherlands on a regular basis. I'm short here, but there I'm like a child. They're all over six foot tall. The lady at the uh, next to us, they, they, you know, we walk up to the Delta desk where there's KLM, and there's a guy taking our bags, and the lady that's taking the bags to the person next to me, she was seven foot tall. The lady was. I've never seen a person that big. And yet they're, they're all over the place. 
So I tell you what, I feel for the little guy. Doug Flutie hasn't played football in 30 years, and I still love Doug Flutie because he was tiny like me. I feel for the little guy. But here we find a little guy that no one feels sorry for. It's just Zacchaeus. He's very little. So much so that that day he couldn't see over the crowd that was gathered in the streets. Stand on his tiptoes all he could. He couldn't see anything but shoulder blades. There's commotion all around, people pushing and shoving. When you're fun, it's not small being in a big crowd. I spent many years at what I like to call elbow height. I was just the height for many years that everybody's elbow hit me right in the face. Just tall enough to keep getting hit in the head. And here is little Zacchaeus fighting his way through the streets, frustrated by the size of the crowd. But this is no exit from a ball game. These people aren't all going in a straight line. Instead, they're all circling and pressing towards the center, even as the mass moves forward. It's a jumble. They're all trying to see the same thing Zacchaeus is trying to see. They're trying to see Jesus. But unlike blind Bartimaeus, the crowd does not part for Zacchaeus. Not for this hated little man. Try as he will, no one will let him get close to the Lord. Every time he tries, there's a targeted elbow or a knee thrown his way. After all, this is the chance to give him a taste of his own medicine. Rip me off. <clears throat> So out of desperation, the little man runs ahead looking for a place to perch and maybe see over the crown and he finds a sycamore tree. He shimmies up and there he perches like a strange bird in its branches. Trying to get a glimpse of the master he watches as the crowd grows closer and closer until Jesus is right below him. I imagine when Jesus gets below, he tries to hide behind a branch or pull some leaves to cover himself. But it doesn't work. Because Jesus just stops, looks straight up. Hey, Zacchaeus, day I mean at your place. Do you understand? Nobody wanted to eat with Zacchaeus. He's not just a tax collector. He's the head of the tax collectors. He's extorting the extortioners. He is as hated as a human being can possibly be. No one wants to come to Zacchaeus' house. No one wants to eat at Zacchaeus' table. But here, the master of the universe stops and looks up at this hated little man and says, today I'm having lunch with you, Zacchaeus. And what amazing things begin to transpire as the crowd looks on in unbelief. Here's Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Chosen One, God in flesh. 
and he's going to go eat at a sinner's house like Zacchaeus? And why the crowd's murmuring, doesn't he know what kind of guy that is? He stole from me. My kids don't have enough to eat because of that guy. And while they're talking about how bad Zacchaeus is, he jumps down out of that tree, stands in front of Jesus and said, today I give half of everything I own to the poor. And if I've stolen anything, I'm going to pay it back four times. This is more than just repentance. This is something even greater. This is more than just a turning around. This is something bigger than that. Zacchaeus has found real joy. The money doesn't matter anymore. The power, the prestige of Rome, it doesn't matter anymore. He's found something worth having. Jesus looks at him and said, today salvation has come to your house. The joy of the Lord replaced the greed and it changed everything. There's something money cannot buy. That's why Peter said this in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7. That the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, though you now do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy, with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving to the end of your faith the salvation of your souls. It's more than just God changed my life. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's joy beyond words. It's joy to walk with God. That's why Psalm 16 said it this way. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Zacchaeus found more than a bunch of zeros on his bank account. He found more than a fancy job. Zacchaeus found joy. We read of another publican. Jesus only chose 12, and it sure would seem that he chose poorly. Ignorant fishermen, murderous rebels, Roman sympathizers. But you got to understand the 12 he chose didn't stay the way they were. He changed them. Jesus is walking through town and there's the tax collector's booth. A little storefront office. Sitting at the desk, counting his ill-gotten gains. Stacking up gold coins like Scrooge McDuck. I don't know if they got one of those little things you pinch and look through like a jeweler. Testing out the denarius. 
There Matthew sits, enjoying his life of sin, enjoying all those things that have been a part of it. And Jesus walks by. He says, hey, come follow me. Come follow me. Something amazing happens. You know, it's pretty cool when we read about Peter and Andrew and James and John and they just drop the nets and walk away. But nets, you can make new nets. Matthew doesn't walk away from a boat in a pile of fish. Matthew, the scripture says, stood up and left it all behind. He left the gold, he left the silver, he left the coin sacks, he left the the jewels, he left it all behind and he went and he followed Jesus. But the next day is where the best part happens. The next day, Matthew throws a party. He has a feast. It's a celebration. When when Clark was little, I, I get embarrassed my teenager, it's a part of a benefit of being a pastor. Whenever we had a family dinner, whether it was Christmas or Thanksgiving, he'd say, are we having a feast? (laughs) Sunday school's having a special meal. He'd say, are we having a feast? (laughs) A feast. It wasn't just a little get-together. We're going to celebrate. We're going to have a lot to do. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great time. Matthew throws a feast, and he invites all of his sinner friends. Now, we talk about this. Bishop Ellis has talked about it. I've talked about it. We're going to talk about it more. But we talk about, I'm afraid sometimes that we're missing a key component of it. Matthew was not bringing them there out of a sense of duty or obligation. He wasn't, oh, you know what? Pastor's going to get after me if I don't have some sinners over my house. Better tell Jesus I'm doing what he said. It wasn't out of duty that Matthew said, come to my house, guys. It wasn't out of a sense of obligation or a job. He was doing it because joy had come to Matthew's house. And he wanted them to have a chance to experience that joy too. It was because he was joyful at what Jesus had done. I used to lie like you guys lie. But Jesus just changed my life. I used to be a crook. I used to do all the things that you... Fellas, look what Jesus has done. Do you understand? It was not out of a sense of obligation. It was out of a sense of joy. Do you, you know, it's terrible to only come home to your spouse at night out of a sense of obligation. How long will it last like that? How long will it last? How long will your kids want to stay around you when you only feed them out of obligation? Do just enough to keep them alive and 
the cops from coming. Working out of a sense of obligation is a whole lot different than working out of a sense of joy. We've got to get the joy of the Lord in everything we do. Romans 15, 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. In chapter 14 it said this, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That party had nothing to do with the food he served. It wasn't about that. It was about the joy of the Lord that had come into Matthew's life it isn't duty it's a joy it's not a job it's joy to serve the Lord the first three things listed in the fruit of the spirit is love joy and peace it isn't duty and honor but it's love. He loves us. So we love him. And that brings joy and peace. Do you know how you're supposed to walk into his presence? Do you want to know how to get in the presence of God? You enter his gates with thanksgiving. And you enter his courts with praise. Something inside of you has to reach down into the joy of the spirit. If you want to enter into his presence. I'll never forget. First time in Africa. Standing there under a hot tin roof. Dirt floor. Most of the people there had walked a day or two to get there. They're sleeping on the hard dirt, or if they could find a piece of cement, that's where they're sleeping. And they're not they don't have real nice sleeping bags from dicks. If they've got anything, maybe just a little mat to roll out. They're all thin and fit, and it's not because they're health nuts. And then it began to rain. And, and if it's us, and the rain's coming in, we'd be worried about our nice shoes. Our nice clothes, getting that red soil of Uganda on them. But they're not worried about the mud. They're not worried about the dust. They're not worried about the rain trickling through in spots in that tin roof. They're just worshiping the Lord. And the audible joy, the audible joy, it, it, it wasn't a begging, it wasn't a pleading, it was joy. I've never heard anything like it. It was just sheer joy. They didn't have enough to eat. They didn't have enough to wear. But yet there was joy in their hearts because they were a part of the kingdom of God. Standing in Ukraine the first time, 
my favorite worship leader is Exana Pashanogu. I love to watch Exana lead worship because I know how poor they are. I know how rough it was. I know how bad and I know how cold it was because I had long johns on under my suit. Things are a lot better there now, even with the war. They, there, and it wasn't, it wasn't nice. They had little heaters and everybody's shivering. And there's Exana up there leading worship. And a smile from ear to ear across her face. It didn't matter if it was a slow song or a fast song. She just exuded joy and it affected the whole atmosphere. I've watched them worship. Sergey sent me the videos. Vasa sent me the videos. I watched them worship when the bombs are going on. It's joy. It's joy. See, it's not about what you have or what you don't have. It's about knowing the God who saved you and that makes everything wonderful and joyous. I tell you what, I've known a lot of poor people that had joy and I've known a lot of rich people that were miserable because all they cared about was what they could get or what they could hold on to. But if you can get joy in your heart, it changes everything. It changes everything. Joy. Joy. I've been blessed beyond measure. And I've struggled to make ends meet. But joy is a constant. Joy is a constant. I'm thankful for what Jesus has done for me. And it's more than, oh, a thank you out of obligation because I don't want to seem like a jerk. I am truly thankful that he loves me and he saved me. And if everything else goes, that doesn't affect it at all. I've got joy. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Say it's easy if you lived a blessed life. I have lived a very blessed life. I'm not embarrassed by it. I've lived a blessed life. I've never gone hungry unless I didn't want to eat what my mom or wife cooked. Kind of lazy. I don't like to cook. I've never gone hungry. I've always had clothes to wear. I've been blessed far more than most. You take wonderful care of me and my family, and I'm forever thankful for it. But I've had days as bad as anyone. I just decided I tell the story now. Standing in the hallway of the emergency room, I carried my son to the hospital in a grocery bag. My wife was bleeding to death. They forced me out of the room because they didn't know if she was going to make it. My whole world was gone. And I stood there in that hallway. And I cried 
a literal puddle of tears. I looked down. And I, I, I looked down at my feet. And I was literally standing in a puddle of tears. But a strange phenomenon happens to me. In moments of great crisis. I'm talking world ending crisis. I, it always happens the same way. I hear a voice. And it's always the same song. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. With his blood, he has saved me. With his power, he has raised me. To God be the glory for the things that he's done. I always hear it being hummed, and it always takes a while because it seems so far away. But then I always realize it's coming out of me, and I've watched as time after time, in the midst of the greatest sorrow imaginable, my Jesus came and joy came with it. Joy came. Say you were happy in the middle of that. No, I wasn't happy, but I had joy. My Jesus was going to make everything okay. My Jesus was with me. My Jesus was with me. I've been there. And I know what it's like to have bad days. I've known what it's like when I didn't know how the bill was going to get paid. And I walked to the mailbox and I opened up the mailbox and there it was. I've been there enough times. I listened to the story of my grandfather saying they didn't have hardly enough to eat. And at Christmas time and there was no money. And he's walking down the street. And a lady came up and said, you are blessed. And the check came, the money came, the food came. You see, it's not about my situation. It's about my relationship. I know who I am. I am a child of the king. And that is reason enough to have joy. Reason enough to have joy. I get excited when I think about how good he's been. He's been so good to me. He's healed my body. He's changed my life. He's been there when there was no help and my son was dying, turning blue and the prayer of faith through Bishop Ellis on speakerphone and my son began to breathe again. I watched the power of God. I watched him, the baby stopped moving and all that nightmare of that day and the Ehar came flashing back and something came over me and it wasn't fear. I knew who I was. I knew what my promise was. And with joy, I pointed at that stomach and I said, I command you to move in Jesus' name. And that little baby kicked so hard, my wife's stomach come out and it hit my finger. I know what it's like. 
to be scared. I know what it's like to be confused. But I'm telling you something. I know what it's like to have the joy of the Lord. Happiness is determined by what's going on around me. But joy comes straight from God. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. This world, when it's so full of hurt and confusion, people ought to look at you and not say, how are you making it through? They ought to say, how are you still happy? How do you still have peace? How is there still joy? Because the Spirit of God, the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's time for somebody here. You've been serving him out of duty. You've been serving him out of obligation. You need to get your joy back. You need to get your joy back. Get your joy back. I've got a reason to be happy. I've got a reason to dance. I've got a reason to praise. I've got a reason to rejoice. I've got a reason to be excited. I've got joy. I've got joy. I know who I am. (coughs) What's the center of your joy? Is it the things you own? Is it the trips you take? Is it degrees on your wall? Zeros in your bank account? How many followers you have on social media? Is it what people think of you? What's the center of your joy? What is your life revolve around? My children bring me great joy. Sometimes anger, but great joy. But they're not the center of it. We've had a joy-filled 16 years, but my wife is not the center of my joy. Jesus, 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 he is the center of my joy. He is where my peace comes from. He's where my joy comes from. He's where the love comes from. He's the center of everything. And he makes everything better. He makes everything better. You know that? He makes everything better. It's time to get your joy back. It's time to get your joy back. How to radiate from you. You need to learn how to bask in it. You need to learn how to let the Holy Ghost wash over you with waves of refreshing. You got to get your joy back. Stand with me across this place. I want us to lift our hands and lift our voices to the Lord. Come on, let's begin to magnify him. Jesus. Come on, is that a joyful prayer? Is that a joyful prayer? 
You see, we know how to beg, we know how to plead, we know how to mourn, but do you know how to give joy to the Lord and let his joy flow back through you? I love you, Jesus. Thank 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 you, Jesus. You see, I learned from the best. See, I've told the stories how I walked in our bishop's office in the little tufted leather chair and those tufts were full of his tears. Never heard a man pray like that. I've never heard rending the way I heard and it went on and on part of the story that I think we miss is every time the music would dial up he'd start doing the bishop that's what we called it he'd start doing the bishop and it wasn't with sorrow it was with joy it was with joy because it didn't matter what went on he wasn't in that jail cell anymore he wasn't a drunk kid picking fights anymore there was joy because Jesus had come into our family there was joy there was joy there was joy oh I'm telling you You've got to learn how to get past the sorrowful prayer and get into the place where the joy of the Lord strengthens you. Let his joy come. Let his joy come. Let refreshing come. We serve a great God. We serve a great God. He's never once failed. He's a great God. He's a great God. Pastor, it's pretty bad right now. Get excited because that means he'll make a way. Get excited. You know what I found? I don't know. I, you know, I think I'm smart, but God's like playing, thinks he's playing with a child, I think, when he's dealing with me. I think I'm cornering him, Lisa. I just start thanking him. When I got problems, boss, I, I just, I think I'm cornering him. I just start thanking him for it. I thank you because I know you're going to do it. I thank you because you're so good. I thank you because you're so great. But in reality, I'm not cornering Jesus. I'm setting myself free so that his joy can come down over me and I can strengthen my soul in the refreshing waters of his spirit. Lift your hands across this place. Lift your hands across this place. Jesus. Come on, we're going to begin to worship the Lord. We're going to begin to worship the Lord. And this altar is open.